Good morning. We're, we're going to start. Uh, Joey, oh good, we're on. Okay. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements. And uh, uh, we have a, a, a ladies' retreat coming up here. It's going to be quite good. If um, It's two weeks, I guess, right? Two weeks. And there's still a couple of seats left. If you want, please sign up. You, you'll enjoy it. Uh, it'll be a great blessing to you, so um, please the sign up is there, and you can do that. Um, also, behind me are some lonely uh, lilies. There are lilies, right? Uh, I got through. I got through pre-med without taking botany. I'm proud to say, but um, uh, if anybody wants them, they need to be revived a little bit. But if anybody wants them, you can, you can take them after the service. And I really think, oh, I know what else. We have a leadership meeting tomorrow night here, okay, uh, 6.30. So uh, uh, make plans for that. And uh, I think that's it. I think everything else is in your bulletin. We had a great sunrise uh, service last week. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if it was this morning, all we would have seen was fog. So God knew what he was doing, uh, and we had some visitors last week at sunrise, which was nice, uh, and um, we had a, a great Easter service. I think I'm going to put a sign on the road that says, uh, come to church this Sunday, treat every Sunday like it's Easter. Doesn't it? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Uh, as we uh, come into the worship service, we will have our normal prayer meeting 10 o'clock Tuesday. Uh, so if you're available, you can come for that. Men's group. Men! Will be, will be meeting 7 o'clock here on uh, Tuesday evening. And then we will have a theological roundtable at Pastor Fuji's at uh, 12.15 uh, this week on Wednesday. So if you can make it, uh, you, you, it's, a, it's just a good time of digging into the Word uh, and, and um, just seeing what God has for us in, in that. So um, I, I think that's all the announcements I have. If there's any questions you can see me after the service just looking ahead to September just to keep in mind uh, in the in the um, the School of Theology um, I'm going to be teaching in the first it's a two-year cycle that, uh, this time the first year is going to be um, the Olivet Discourse in uh, Matthew uh, which kind of outlines Revelation and Daniel, uh, and then we're going to spend the rest of the time in Daniel, and then the following September, Lord willing, if he keeps me here, uh, we're going to uh, do Revelation, okay, in its entirety. So uh, that's the way it's going to go. Pastor Fuji is going to talk about the um, synoptic gospels, uh, and that's a fascinating study, but we're not able to be there because we have service. So we'll work all of that out. If you missed them, like our services, they're all on YouTube, uh, not YouTube, Facebook. 
So you can you can tune into Facebook and and see them. You know, as we as we continue. These last couple of, of weeks, um, they've been eventful, if I can put them that way. And uh, most of the events uh, were not good events. Uh, but I always have to come back to the truth that God is still in control. And he is in control, and he's going to have the last word in, in all of what's going on. So, you know, as we, as we go into worship, um, we're going to be looking at what it means to trust in Christ, right? And it, it goes so, it, so beyond just knowing it here. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we built the worship service around that. So as we sing, if you're able, would you stand and, and sing, and we'll just praise God together. Come on up, ladies. Come on down. Monty Hall. <laughs> Morning, church. All right, so God works for us nonstop. From answering prayers to providing that gentle nudge necessary to get us walked to walk down the right path. He is here, there, and everywhere, just like the song. Making his, he's there, there, and everywhere, making his plan work. His most important work, that impeccable work he did for us on the cross when he took on our sins so that we may live with him in eternity. God is working, he's still working, God is working even working in 
lives mean nothing if we do not follow Christ. Doing this is not easy because there is a nonstop bombardment of worldly temptations coming at us from all angles. Our task, our work, is to resist these temptations and do the Lord's work, whatever that may be now. Resist temptation, resist the unholy desire, work to better the lives of your fellow man, help the poor, pray nonstop. These are only a few things. God will tell you what else he requires. Joy. 
unto our Lord, for he is worthy. Make a joyful noise and let him into your hearts. From the west to the east, let the song resound and fill the ears of all. Sing and rejoice. Church wanted to read with me the responsive reading. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Is that right? Okay. The necessary and holy work of God. Let him take over your heart and mind, and let him drive the ship, so to speak. From the Grace and Truth Study Bible, few, few verses boil down 
the essence of the proverbial wisdom like these. They are popular because of their profound simplicity. Simply put, wisdom is trusting in the Lord and foolish, foolishness is trusting in oneself. If we think we are wise, then we are actually foolish. But if we recognize we are not wise and look to the Lord for wisdom, then we can become wise. Ever since Eden, people have rejected the word of God in order to be wise in their own eyes. But through Proverbs, people may once again attain the true wisdom from the Lord. Amen. So if you want to know more about wisdom, come next Sunday, and we'll talk more about wisdom at uh, 9.30 as we go through Proverbs. This has to be, I think, um, one of my favorite uh, passages in Proverbs. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Um, There's another section of uh, Proverbs that says, uh, trust in the Lord and not in the wisdom of man. And uh, for us, we really need discernment as to what the world's wisdom is and what is biblical wisdom. Uh, And then we need the help of the Holy Spirit to bring that to life in our lives so we go forward, no matter what's happening around us, we go forward in faith. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. If um, I can get uh, someone to help with the uh, offering, we'll wait upon you now for tithes and offerings, and uh, we'll pray. Father, we just ask uh, today, as we see more violence in, in our country, more shootings, more, more stabbings, uh, uh, increasing aggression and vandalism against churches, we just ask, Father, that uh, we would cry out to you, starting with the church, for revival. And then pray for our nation for a spiritual awakening. Father, we desperately need it. And so, Father, we give to the work. Would you bless the gift and the giver? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, well, uh, that slide is wrong. That should be John chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 21. That's my typo. So uh, we're in John chapter 6, verse 1 to 21. And we're going to look at uh, lessons on trusting. Uh, have you ever had a lesson, lesson on trusting? <laughs> you have a lesson on trusting every day, don't you? Uh, and we don't even realize this sometimes, 
you know, you trust that your car is going to start, that when you step on the uh, brake pedal at a red light that it's going to stop. I've had few cars that didn't, but that's, that's what you trust in. We put our trust in, in airplane pilots to get us to our destination without crashing. That's trust, right? We put trust in our doctors to find out what's wrong with us, to prescribe the right medications. And then we bring a prescription to a pharmacist that we probably don't even know and trust that he's going to put or she's going to put the right medicine in the right bottles. I mean, that's a lot of trust, isn't it? But why is it so hard for us then to trust Christ? Huh. You know, we all encounter life situations that could be overwhelming. If you haven't, it's coming. And let me give you some examples of some situations we can encounter that, that could be overwhelming. Uh, and then listen to this list. If you have any to add, then we'll, we'll add them, okay? Certainly not exhaustive. Of course, the loss of a loved one. Financial hardship because of a loss of a job or severe illness. A divorce. A wayward child. And, and those are only a few that I listed. Any, anything else that I, you know, I mean, we could put in there a bad report from the doctor, correct? Um, you know, <laughs> your car breaks down. I mean, things tend not to happen in isolation. You ever notice that? Uh, when things happen, they seem to come in twos or threes, and, you know, you, you have to deal with all of it. And I want to suggest to you that God allows us uh, to go into those situations to teach us more about patience that is waiting on him and a trust that he's going to bring us through on the other side in a way that glorifies him. And we were talking in Sunday school this morning, if there's anything our culture lacks, it's patience, right? Um, our attention spans are so limited these days because we've been trained that way. Uh, it affects our, our patience. Um, those of you who have had broken bones, <laughs> yep, I'm with you. We all know the older we get, the longer they take to heal, correct? And yet we become so impatient. We want it better, you know, the next day. Uh, those of us who uh, go into work and we get a pink slip, and we say, okay, what am I going to do now? Well, we're going to look for another job, right? And, and just trust that Christ is going to lead us to the right one. Patience is something that we really need to regain because, listen, can God answer prayer uh, right away? Of course, and he has done that. But many times it's a process, and we have to learn to trust God in the process. For instance, if 
if you're going through a tough time, let's say you lost your job, right? And, you know, you're, you're applying to different places and for some reason you keep getting turned down or not considered or something. You know, the, the answer is not to, to quit, it's to continue to look for a job. You know, I, w I went through this in my own life uh, many years ago, right after seminary. The company I was working for was bought out by a, uh, a New York, big New York company. And I went into work one day and found out I had no more job because they replaced us with, with their own uh, management and executive teams. Uh, and this was the first week in December, right? What a time to lose a job. So, okay. I had to really come before Christ and say, okay, I have to believe you have something better for me. Now, I was candidating at churches and, you know, going through that, but I also had to put food on the table, right? So at that time, I knew the manager of the shop right right here in town. So I went to him and said, look, I'll stock shelves. I'll do anything. He said, well, we can't hire you. I said, why not? You're overqualified, right? I said, I'm willing to work. Yeah, no, you're overqualified. We can't handle it, right? And it, w it was, if you remember, uh, we, we were back in a recession back then also. So what I would do is I would get up 8 o'clock in the morning and go out, hand resumes out to human resources, uh, resources of, of big companies. You don't do that anymore because now everything's online. But I just had to trust that God was in this. But it took a while. It took almost eight weeks, nine weeks. And what I would do is I'd get the Asbury Park Press in the morning, look at the want ads, not the news, uh, the want ads. And I saw that there was this um, worldwide company that made a financial move that looked like they would need a finance guy like me. So I went to Human Resources and I gave them my resume and they looked at it and they said, well, keep it on file. We have no openings yet. I want you to catch how this works, right? So I said, okay, I appreciate it. I got home about 4.30 that day from putting resumes in and there was a message on my phone from this company saying, can you come in tomorrow for an interview? So I, I called back and I said, what changed? Well, they said we had somebody in the finance department resign who knows you. And I, I didn't know he worked there because at one time we had worked together and he saw your resume and he says, you need to consider this guy. So I went up for an interview with Human Resources and they hired me on the spot which was unheard of. Um, and then I had an interview with the uh, supervisor of the department, then with the treasurer. Uh, and God worked it out. I even put on there at that point in time, I didn't have my doctorate, I had my master's in divinity. And they said, what are you gonna do with your master's? And they said, I hope to pass for a church one day. But while I'm here, I'll, I'll do the best I can for you. Okay. I go back to HR, 
to start filling out the papers. And uh, we agreed on the salary even before the interview with the treasurer. And when I came back, they said, look, because you have your master's, we're going to give you 5000 more a year. <laughs> I said, that's not hard to take. <laughs> you know? I mean, how God worked this out, right? And he provided this job was probably one of the best jobs I ever had in secular work. And he just worked everything out, but in his timing. In the three months, we never missed a bill because we had lived within a budget, if I can put it that way, right? We never missed a bill. The, we were renting at the time, the rent was paid and everything else got paid. And we did what we, we, we had to do, but God, you know, walked into this, I walked into this job. Now, I have to admit to you, after three months, it was getting a little discouraging. But I had to tr that trust God was, was still working. He was still working. Well, that's the last job I had before I was called to, to my first church. And I was with them for two and a half years. And in that two and a half years, they gave me like four promotions. So it was, it was a, a good fit and a good job. Jesus tests us sometimes, doesn't he? He tests us. He's not doing that to be mean. He's doing that so we can learn more about him and his character and us. Because sometimes when we go through trials or, or, or temptations, we, we learn more about ourselves that need to be corrected and we learn more about God. So I want to look at one of those tests. John chapter 6, starting at verse 1. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of, uh, of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw signs, the signs he had performed by healing the sick. And, you know, this crowd was, was following because they wanted to see what Jesus was going to do next. Not because they especially liked his message, but they liked his performance, if I could put it that way. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming to him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy the bread for these people to eat? Now, the crowd was about 10,000. Can you imagine that? 10,000. And now he's testing Philip to see where Philip's faith is. Look how Philip responds. He says he asked him this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have one bite. So these were a lot of people. How was Philip thinking here? I mean, he was practical, right? We, we can't fault him for that. 
But he had the option at this point to say, be honest with Jesus and say, Jesus, I have no idea. I mean, this is what we would have to do. And I would have expected the next sentence to say, well, Jesus, I got to depend on you. But that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So now we come to Andrew, who's Peter's brother. So another, another of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And here's Andrew's thinking, how far will they go with so many? But at least Andrew said to the Lord, hey, there's a, there's a boy, he doesn't have much, it's all he's got, but how can we make this work? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. The reason why I say there was probably 10,000 or a little bit more is because the wives were there too and the children, right? So uh, lots of people. And then it goes on. It says, Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated how much? As much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. Oh. These were barley loaves. Barley uh, bread in Jesus' time was considered the cheapest bread you can get. Okay? But Jesus made it into something beautiful. He took these loaves and he thanked God for them. Thanked his father. And even though, even though his father responded with Jesus and he was able to feed many, Jesus took the barley loaves and gave thanks. And he did the same thing with the fish. This kind of reminds me of when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, right? He took the bread and he did what? He gave thanks. He took the wine and he gave thanks. Listen, this miracle involved the whole trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I really believe the lesson here was to show Peter and, uh, I'm sorry, Andrew uh, and Philip and the rest of the disciples, what, what can happen when you even just have a little and you give it to God? You can do amazing things with that. You don't know how many times I'll hear people say to me, oh, Pastor, I don't have all that much. Okay, but what you have, did you give it to God? Well, pastor, my house is not real big. 
Oh, okay, that's fine. But you dedicate it for the glory of God. Listen, God can do remarkable, miraculous things if we even just trust him with the little that we have. What did Jesus say? If you have faith like what? A mustard seed. Now, in the agriculture of the day, I've got to be clear about this, because somebody will come back to me and say, it's, it's not the smallest seed. Well, no. But a mustard seed in the culture of the time was the smallest seed they had. And Jesus says, if you have faith as small as this mustard seed, great things could be accomplished. I think of the centurion who went to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. <laughs> have you ever been there? Right? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. When you look at it, this is an amazing passage. So, I, you know, I, I have to stop there uh, long enough to, to ask you this question. Are you facing uncertain times? Are you facing times where we, we, we're not trusting Jesus? and being obedient to him. And I would say, trust him with what you have. Think about the boy who had the fish and the, uh, and the loaves. Childlike belief. He gave them to God, well, Jesus, saying, look, this is all I have. This young man took the risk of not having food to give it to see what Jesus can do. Isn't that true? <laughs> I really believe we don't see miracles because we haven't trusted Jesus many times with what we have. And that doesn't mean he's going to answer prayers our way or get rid of the situation. He, for Philip, this was a, a learning experience. He had to learn what it is to say, okay, Lord, we don't have a enough, but I have faith in you because you love the people and have compassion on them that you will do the right thing here. It says, when they all had enough, I mean, this turned into a big picnic, Right? When he all had enough, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. <laughs> I can't tell you today how we waste food. We've all been guilty of it, I think. We, we, we waste food. And listen, food is a precious commodity. It's given to us by God. And we shouldn't waste it. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Whoa. 
There were leftovers. <laughs> Listen, I know there are some things that may not taste that good if they're leftover. I'm not talking about if they go bad. That's should never let them go bad. But um, I, you know, I realize that. But it's food, right? Now, in my case, being Italian, I like, I love leftover lasagna. To me, it tastes better, you know, the second day. I mean, you know, I I like leftover pizza. I, yeah, um, as you can tell. But listen, we got to give to Jesus what little we had. It amazed me growing up. We didn't have a whole lot of money growing up, but whenever it came to food and whenever it came to um, people no matter how little we had if if my mom knew that someone was alone or didn't have food they would be at our table and we would just sacrifice a little you know it's one of those dinners whether it was you know non-expensive dinner uh, where before your company came you know mom would say no seconds no seconds and we managed, we managed to make it work. Look at this. After people saw the sign Jesus performed, they, they began to say, surely this is the prophet of the one who, uh, who is to come in the world. Jesus, knowing that he, they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. That's not the kingdom that Jesus wanted, right? He wanted to build a kingdom based on love and grace and salvation. But they were going to try to force him to be king at this point. So Jesus withdrew to be alone. Oh. Do you know what happened to the crowd after that? They begin to dwindle. But that sets us up for the next part. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they, were, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and waters grew rough. And when they had rowed out about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water, and they were frightened. I had to go to the other Gospels for the account of this, and I believe it's in all the other Gospels. But let me tell you something that John uh, omitted here, uh, just because he didn't record it. Uh, Jesus was up on a mountain, and he was watching the disciples in the boat. That's a great comfort to me. You know why? Because no matter what life throws at us, Jesus is watching. He's watching. And he's ready to respond. If we let him. This is also the account where Peter, you know, impetuous Peter, he sees Jesus walking on the water, and Peter's saying, how'd you do that? I want to do that, right? And he, Jesus invites Peter to get out of the boat. Listen, all kudos to Peter. I don't know if I would have gotten out of the boat. 
and then as long as G, uh, Peter's eyes were focused on Jesus, he was fine. But when he started to look at the waves and the storm and, and all, he started sinking because he took his eyes off Jesus. They saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. Huh. They thought he was a ghost, right? But he said to them, oops, excuse me, he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. I mean, I, that's good. I, they were in the middle of the storm, right? It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and what's it saying here? Immediately. The boat reached the shore where they were heading. Immediately. Whoa. You know, I'm, I'm hoping we just don't dismiss these accounts as just another story. At this point, by the way, all the crowds left. They left. The crowd's reaction is really shameful because they couldn't see Jesus for who he really is, the Son of God, the Messiah, not just some miracle worker. After they had the free lunch and the show ended, the crowd left. I can't tell you how many times that happens. After the free lunch and a show, the miracle that is, the crowd left. Aren't we like that at times? When we're going through trials, temptations, and we we're in it for a prolonged period of time, and we stop trusting Christ. Spiritually speaking, we leave. We leave. Oh, Jesus, you're not doing anything anymore for me. When will we learn it's not about us, that it's all about him? When will we learn that if we are lovingly obedient to God, to the Spirit, to his word, that God will continue to teach us through trials and temptations. He can even teach us when we mess up and we bring problems on ourselves. Isn't that true? <laughs> Does anybody here ever mess up? And thank God that he's the God of second, third, fourth, tenth, hundred chances. So I got to ask, what challenges are we facing? It's no secret that uh, living uh, for Christ in our current culture, political and economic environment, is becoming more challenging each day. My question is, whatever happens today, tomorrow, or in the years of come, will we choose to trust Christ and continue 
lo- uh, lovingly obedient to him his wo- and his word, or to give, or will we give in to discouragement and disobedience? There are too many professing Christians who start out well but don't finish well. There are too many professing Christians who take Sundays and the Lord's Day uh, and worship for granted and don't think it's real important anymore. There are too many professing Christians who have not given the little they have to Jesus to see what he can do with it. There are too many professing Christians who are settling for shows rather than coming under the ministry of the word of God. The American church is in trouble. It's in trouble. There are mega churches that are full. They have professional bands and lighting and cameras and more than you could ever imagine a television studio would have. Some even have special effects. But when we learn, we're not, we don't come to church for a concert. We come to worship Christ. Over the Easter week, I had a lot of errands to run, plus all the services that we did between the round tables and the uh, Easter and Good Friday and Palm Sunday service. And every single morning, the gyms were packed. They were packed. We make time for what we believe to be important. So the question I want to leave us with, all of us today, is are we leaving time for our Lord and Savior to honor him, to trust him, no matter what happens in and around our lives? I'm going to ask our praise team to come up. I have a feeling I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll stand corrected. Excuse me. But I have a feeling just about everybody here and people who are usually here who are not here today has experienced God working in incredible ways at one point. I also have a feeling that when we woke up this morning, we, we took for granted uh, the shelter that we, ha- that we have by God's good hand, the food that he provides, the clothes that he provides. And we may not be rich, we may have a little, but do we 
trust God with that little. I'm convinced that we don't say thank you enough to God. That's why Thanksgiving, listen, I like Thanksgiving. I like to eat, as you can say. All right? But Thanksgiving has no meaning without God. It's not friends giving. It's thanksgiving to the God who provides. It is thanksgiving to the God who is watching us and watching over us. It is thanksgiving, and I don't care if you have a hot dog on Thanksgiving. If that's all you have, you thank God. Would you stand and say, thank you, Lord. I come before you today.
of praise with an outstretched arm i will bless your name thank you lord i just want to thank you They tell me the sun's going to come out. So enjoy the day. Be blessed. Go with God. Thank him for everything, including the trials and the temptations that come our way. Remember that Jesus is watching over us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time together. I pray your blessing on everyone that's here. Help us, Father, to... Uh, Go through the day being a blessing to others. Holy Spirit, would you release us in power? I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. All right, one more time. All God's people said? Amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.